Business is about is driven by competitive advantage, and what better advantage than to have a diverse workforce? There are lots of incredibly intelligent, valuable women who can really add to this debate and discussion. A proper understanding of diversity is, is absolutely critical. How do we get different perspectives that enrich both what we do and, and who we are? Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Rewire podcast, a podcast that seeks to rewire the real estate industry one story at a time. In this podcast, we talk about all things diversity and inclusion from gender, ethnicity, background and sexuality to the diversity of roles that there are in the industry, the diverse skill sets required and the need for diverse and inclusive thinking. I'm your host, Sam McClary, and joining me in the studio today is not one, not two, but five senior women from, a, from the industry. They're here to talk about how one business, at least, is working hard to walk the talk when it comes to DNI. That company is Community Shopping Centre Investor Elandi, which now has a gender-balanced senior management team and slightly better than parity across the entire business. So that's 12 out of its 21 employees are female. So well done, Elandi. Um, but let's uh, get on and meet those amazing women, find out a little bit more about them and what attracted them to Alandi and what parity means for the real estate community as a whole. Uh, I'm going to start to my right, not that it matters to anyone listening because you can't see a podcast, you can only hear it. Uh, Julie, mm. introduce yourselves and tell us how you got to join the Alandi team. Okay, um, well I'm uh, Julie Pierce, Director of Development at Landy. Um, I'm actually also heading up um, Future Places Workstream. Um, a, a, an element that is really important to me is we look at our town centres and we look to see how they become relevant beyond uh, the next few years and into, into the next decade. Um, what attracted me to Alandi um, was that element of the parity, I suppose, and that's a really interesting um, word that you use there, Sam, because um, I, when I started out um, a number of years ago, I had to think about what influenced me, and um, my grandfather was clerk of works, my father was a site foreman, um, and they built their own houses. It happened in our family that we built our own houses, and uh, it was in, my property career was influenced really early on because of and my love for the built environment, and. Even when I went into work experience uh, at the local surveying practice, it was all males again, but it didn't bother me at that time. And it wasn't until I went into a, uh, to do the degree and I walked into a room and realized there were less than 20% female. I thought, oh, hang on a minute. This is a career where maybe I am gonna be in the minority. I think the great takeaway is that we are no longer um, in that position and we have numerous, females coming through. I think that's promoted by the RICS and by Revo and not least Alandi who are uh, really promoting women and diversity as a whole. And and 
for Alandi, they've created some new roles, haven't they? Uh, I'm looking at you, Ali. Have uh, you you've taken up one of those um, roles within Alandi? And um, can you tell us a little bit about that role and what attracted you to, to the company? Yes, indeed. I'm Ali Stewart. I've recently taken up the role of, as Chief Operating Officer at Alandi, which, as you say, Sam, is a, a completely new role there. Um, I'm not a property professional by background at all. I, I come from an accountancy training, so I have been born and brought up, if you like, in professional services environment. And I think, like all of us sitting around the table, regardless of exactly what our professional background is, we've been women in the minority for most of our professional careers. So it was quite refreshing to walk in through the doors at Ilandi and find such a, a gender balanced, and not just gender balanced, but also um, a mix of, of, of ethnicity as, as well. And I think. The, I mean, you, d you asked what brought us all into Elandi. I, I've spent the last four years of my life working uh, for law firm Howard Kennedy as uh, head of operations for their real estate department, which is about half the firm. Again, that was um, heavily orientated towards women. We had a lot of female senior fee earners and, and also partners there, which again has, I think, transformed over the period of probably the last decade or so. And in terms of Ilandi, I, I met Mark Robinson completely <laughs> by accident, as it, as it happened, but was utterly inspired by the agenda that Ilandi are pursuing in terms of breathing this renewed sense of community into town centres. And that got me thinking in terms of the subject matter for, for today about the importance of diversity there. Every single one of the centres that we manage and, and have interface with is unique because it represents a community which is unique and the diversity of approach and perspective that we can bring to that I think is going to be tremendously important in terms of enabling us to succeed in what we're trying to do. Fantastic and Stephanie you're you're in the finance role we do see more women in in finance probably don't we? Yeah that that's very true actually um, I was I was going to say that we're better actually, with numbers surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, we have a team of six and five of them currently are women so we have one man um, but yeah I think in the last um, probably the last couple of roles that I've worked in the finance team it's, it's been quite dominated by women and actually we've probably had the opposite where we've been looking to to realign it to, to bring some men to join our team? Uh, yeah, we need balance of men and women, don't we? So yeah, yeah exactly. we, we can't take over as much as we'd like to. <laughs> um, Ruth, so you, um, you're, you have been nominated for a BPF um, Tomorrow's Leader Award in, in the DNI um, category. Congratulations on, on that. Um, tell us a little bit more about that and also your role at Alandi and what you were doing um, from that sort of the asset management perspective to um, bring DNI into, uh, as uh, Ali was saying, the, the sort of the community feel for, for shopping centres. Absolutely. So um, I'm one of the asset managers at Elandi, so I look after six of our shopping centres. Um, I also sit on the Revo Accessibility Committee. Um, it's something that personally is quite important to me, but I think as a business point of view, we need to be giving people the most chance to access our shopping centres as we can at the moment. You know, We all know retail is difficult at times at the moment, and we need to be able to open our centres to as many people as we can. Um, we're working quite closely with a charity called Purple at the moment. So Elandi itself um, is a disability level 
one confidence level one um, company and we're trying to work through our disability levels um, to get to confident level three which means we're then a sort of leader in that industry so that's making our business more aware mm. um, at an Irlandi level about you know is our website accessible to people or are, it's more than just you know is there a lift to the buildings it's just trying to think a bit more about accessibility issues but that then filters down we have such a great platform where we have 30 shopping centres where we can start to really roll out some great initiatives which a lot of our schemes have been doing so we do a lot of work with um, dementia friends we're doing autism hours we're trying to put changing places toilets into our shopping centres the value of the purple pound the disabled pound you know that carers and disabled people have to spend in the economy is really high um, and actually just making these places that bit more accessible um, is something that Ilandi um, are really trying to lead from the front on. Excellent. Definitely want to come back to talk about that after we've uh, introduced ourselves to, to Isabel. Hey, Isabel. Hi, um, I'm Isabel Hees. I head up the research and analytics team at Elandi. Um, Elandi actually being my first real estate role, um, prior to which I spent a number of years, five or six years, in investment banking. So, you know, mirroring a few of the comments um, <laughs> from uh, the rest of the women here. But um, obviously, Elandi really attracted me um, after having spent a long period of time in a relatively testosterone fueled <laughs> male dominated environment where actually you know there was quite an obvious um, disparity between kind of men and women especially in a, a kind of very corporate environment um, and the roles that both men and women had in the business uh, when I was in investment banking. So even outside of Irlandia, I'm sure real estate felt like a breath of fresh air um, yeah, coming absolutely. from that, that industry. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's really interesting because often in, in this room and, and so far on the, the Rewire podcast we've done, they've been very um, much focused on um, gender, for, uh, diversity from a gender perspective. But I'm I'm really interested to find out a little bit more about um, what you're doing around disability as well, because I think when we talk about um, DNI, we've got to think much wider mm. than gender. And you know, we can look in this room and say we're, we're kind of getting there with the gender now. People um, want to do better there, but then you talk about um, BAME and you talk about disability, and people get a bit frightened about it, I suppose, cause the language that you're meant to use around it and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about what that what that means to to all of you. What diversity looks like to to all all of the women around this table. I think I think we all agree. Um, you know, having sat in the cab on the way over here and <laughs> talked about so uh, women. You know, there is there is um, other elements of diversity. Um, you know, we we started to talk about class. We started to talk about age. Um, certainly, race and. All of these elements, um, if you start to bring them into the, the workforce, um, can only seek to help a business. You know, a business is about is driven by competitive advantage, and what better advantage than to have a diverse workforce? I think also from our point of view, if, if you think about what it is we're actually trying to do at Ilandi, um, we need to be we, we are very externally focused and, and and that's what the whole agenda is underwritten by and if we are really going to deliver on the the, the mission that we've set for ourselves bringing into that a, a proper understanding of diversity is, is absolutely critical we're dealing with demographics particularly in the community shopping centers that we address that are hugely diverse and where age plays a big part 
in terms of what we are offering and what we need to understand about a local community and a local demographic in order to be able to rebuild something which is fit for purpose and genuinely services the needs of local people. And if we don't bring into our thinking every single aspect of that diversity whether it be class whether it be age whether it be race whether it be sex whether it be what, whatever it is we will be missing the opportunity to deliver on what we're seeking to achieve but it's also tremendously enriching in the workplace to have that kind of debate and that kind of difference of perspective and you know it's all about balance whether that be gender balance or race balance or whatever it is it's achieving balanced perspectives that inform decision making and inform business models and business agendas and what are some of the the routes to finding that stuff out I suppose do you use a lot of um, research and data is it going out and talking to the people who are using the um, community shopping centres or maybe perhaps not using them I guess you get as much information from that as, as well yeah, so we um, we conduct our own shopper surveys at Alandi as well as trying to um, undertake relatively regular um, surveys and analysis of who the demographic is in um, each of our schemes locations, how they're using the shopping centres, actually what um, they would need outside of just pure retailing in terms of services, amenities, um, just to kind of really tailor the space to what locals need and what locals are um, using in terms of their town centres to really kind of make the most of the space within our schemes that's not necessarily just purely focused on retail. Hmm. And and I guess that's one of the one of the things that I'm really encouraged to see is being talked about a lot more in in real estate in the built environment that we're talking about the users of the of the uh, properties mm-hmm. not just the properties and you know those, those people who buy and sell them or build them it's about the end user not even it might not even be the occupier it's the shopper or the worker in in there do you think that 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 focus on the customer is going to help us with our sort of um dni evolution as well Absolutely. So um, we use the intercept surveys, the shopper surveys that that we undertake on our portfolio and that feeds into our leasing strategy, our marketing strategy. You know, we take that data and we sit around the table with our letting agents, centre managers, property managers, with me as an asset manager and we really try and take the feedback from that. So one of of the schemes I look after, we got a lot of feedback about um, there being in the area of the country where this scheme is, there's no um, accessible toilet facility changing facility for older children or adults and it actually means that people in that position can't access the town centre and it's a real barrier to access so as part of that that we got a lot of feedback on Facebook particularly about this so we're now trying to work out where we can put a changing places bathroom facility in so there's real direct links between the data that we get from research and how we then try and incorporate that into our asset management strategies. And I'd be really interested to hear as well, maybe, um, Ali, that's something you can add a bit of insight to. Given that um, this is clearly um, stuff that um, everyone here around the table is passionate about, but the company is passionate about, um, and we work in an industry where talent and talent retention and attracting talent is of supreme importance, is being able to walk the talk as, as well as talk the talk helpful for Alandi from a, a growth perspective for the for the business? Goodness, that's a massive question. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the, the easy and straightforward answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, um, 
we I, I don't know a single business that is not struggling in terms of what's popularly known as the war for talent and I think there have been historically a, a lot of pools of talent that have been under-recognised, under-nurtured and under-exploited, um, exploitation being seen sometimes as, as a negative word, but, but I mean it in its truest sense. So from our perspective, and, and again I think for me it comes back slightly to marrying our external agenda with our internal agenda, if, if we are going to properly reflect the needs of unique individual local demographics we have to reflect that diversity internally in Elandi because you know it's one thing to go out and do research which is of, of immense value in terms of gathering data but you need diversity sometimes to interpret that data in a way that's genuinely going to enable you to use that and use it to properly inform the asset management strategies that as Ruth referred to we we are constantly developing evolving and, and iterating so yes I think it's absolutely critical to the agenda it, it needs to underpin the way that we go out into the market the way that we interface with people and absolutely the way that we recruit and, and you mentioned um, earlier in in our discussion um, um, Mark and his, his role in this how important is it to have that sort of top-down belief in in DNI and the value of it and also I think we do see in some businesses you you might get it at the top and you might get a little bit further down but sometimes it stops in sort of middle management how how important and how difficult I suppose is it to be able to have that properly um, I was going to say trickle, but that's not the right word. Sort of absolutely be embedded all throughout the business. It needs to be a cascade. It's not a trickle. Oh, I like uh, that. It won't be enough. The uh, well, I, as I said earlier on, I'm very new into Alandi, but one of the things that struck me even before I joined, but certainly the instant I walked in through the door, was the strength of the culture, and that does have to come from the top down it's extraordinarily difficult having worked across a lot of different businesses in different sectors myself I know how difficult it is to do that Um, it really is a huge challenge and it's one of the things that I think Ilandi should be enormously proud of it does have to come from the top because it has to be seamless if there's any weak weak link in the chain uh, that whole thing about culture gets broken very quickly it's like brand it's as strong as the weakest link and I, I, I think we've done a hugely good job on that. I really do. I think you have too. Um, you mentioned the, the C word there, the challenge word. I have to be careful. Um, uh, it'd be really interesting and I think really helpful to our listeners to hear from, from each of you about, um, I guess, a challenge that you have had um, within uh, our little world and um, how you've learned to over, overcome that because I think we can you know we can learn great things from uh, difficult times and I think you know the particularly now the um, focus that we have on gender has come from um, having to go through some some horrendous things you know the, the whole sort of me too move movement had to happen to make a positive change um, so um, it doesn't have to be as challenging as that of course but um, yeah just one challenge that you've you've had al- along your career and and how you've you've seen the way out of that. Uh, Isabel, I'm going to start with you. One of my kind of challenges throughout my working career um, has been definitely, you know, around the fact that where I've worked has been very 
tends to have been relatively male dominated even if it's not necessarily in the company itself the industry has been kind of relatively um, male focused and definitely you know one of the challenges for me and it's it's not necessarily been debilitating but something I've had to consciously work um, towards or work against as it were I suppose um, is the the difference between coming from investment banking to real estate is that real estate has been a relatively um, kind of network driven type of industry where there are uh, you know a, a very kind of keen focus on relationships um, you know building connections and sometimes you know coming into an industry as a you know young woman um, being able to kind of establish those friendships those connections you know, having to kind of work doubly hard at doing that because I may not necessarily be the first choice to be invited to a golf day or <laughs> a, um, you know, similar kind of male-driven networking activity. But I think there is definitely, you know, moaning aside, a lot of change happening in the industry where there are um, slightly more accessible type of networking events or... You know, p- people are being a bit more aware when they are arranging these these types of activities. You know, it's not necessarily just having a drink down the pub after work anymore. Um, they're slightly more kind of structured events, programs um, to kind of facilitate that that kind of thing and essentially include um, people not necessarily from you know a, a diverse gender background, but diverse ages. Um, you know people who have disabilities are able to to come to events that are not necessarily um you know they're not unable to to take part in some sporting activities or or anything absolutely and we need less golf in life i think always (laughs) (laughs) Uh, ruth yeah i think that old boys network is definitely something that the industry still needs to work on and not arriving as a graduate with you know a ready-built network of rugby friends from university was you know something you had to put your mind to changing and really put yourself out there but I think something a challenge that I've come across recently and, and I'm, I'm not really sure what the answer is is um, uh, you know it's been a bit of an issue recently about panels and getting more representation of women on panels and I was actually asked to be on a panel recently by somebody who said there are some of the bigger organizations have said you know they won't their staff aren't allowed to go on panels unless there is gender parity which you know whether quotas or targets are the right thing I, I, I don't know the answer to that but somebody actually called me and said we've got a woman we'd really like on this panel but she won't be on it unless there is another woman on it can you come on it too and it, it didn't feel like I was being asked to be on this mm. panel because they necessarily thought I had something valuable to add it just happened that I was a woman in this sector so they could get the lady that they would like on it and I think we've still got a bit of a way to go about how we address the sort of profile of women in the industry and there are lots of incredibly intelligent valuable women who can really add to this debate and discussion and it's how we see our way through that and how we increase female representation in high profile sort of panels and debates and seminars and the conferences we all go to they are still very male-led I think you're you're absolutely right and it's um it's a huge debate and it's a, it's a really difficult thing to tackle because there's the you know you you could have said 
I don't know if you did say yes. Did you say yes? I did say yes because I thought, well, well yeah, I do have something valuable to add here. And then, yeah, and let's see how fabulous you are. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be asked anyway. But there's, um, you know, there's this, uh, I guess, an issue around we still have a landier side. Um, senior positions are mainly held by men until until we get to that point where people realise that actually don't always need the most senior person on a panel, that um, there might be someone else who is in the business that has a much better point of view or is more eloquent um, than um, Mark. Hmm, who knows? Uh, uh, but, um, you know, and it's for them to say, actually, you don't want me. You want my amazing colleague who knows so much more. So I think there needs to be um, education for, for events producers, you know, of which we at EG do, and we're trying to get much better at that. And also for the, the companies that are supporting those events to say, you don't want Mr. Senior Bodge, you want my amazing colleague just uh, who sits a couple of desks down from, from me. So, and you need to say yes, which you did. So that's fabulous. Stephanie. Um, so I think my example is kind of showing how far we've come. Um, when I was a, this is probably about 20 odd years ago, when I was a trainee, um, one of my first kind of management accountant and the key contact on a job for a building contracting firm um, started off on the wrong foot when they said, oh, we didn't want a lady to um, to, to be that person who does our uh, management accounts and kind of gives us insightful commentary because she probably won't understand what our business is all about. Wow. Um, Yeah, exactly. So um, fair play to my boss. He said, no, this is the best person I have for the job and and off I went. And so I think I had to work twice as hard but did remove those barriers and they were very thankful at the end of it and I worked with them for three years before I left. They were quite sad to see me go. So I think, you know, it's, it's a kind of story about how far we've come because I haven't had that recently. A brain is a brain I suppose yeah, at the end of the exactly. day isn't it? It doesn't matter yeah. what, what um, case it comes in. Um, well done you for persevering as well and showing showing them who's who's I like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Ali. I'm not sure I'd be able to point to one individual example. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime of knocking down walls to be honest. The thing that I've learned to be more comfortable about from my own point of view I think is is being myself and, and being true to myself. There are so many pushes and pulls in the workplace that drive you away from that. Um, it may be around working practices, it may be around um, the type of networking that's expected of you. Um, I mean, I've sat as one woman on a coach full of 42 men going to rugby games and felt perfectly happy, comfortable, and, and actually really enjoyed my day out. I suspect the men started off being far more uncomfortable about that particular <laughs> situation than I was. But it, I think w- women have um, have immense contributions to make, which is a statement of blindingly obvious, but often don't feel that they have for, for whatever reason. And it is just, it, a, a lot of it is about confidence, but, but it is just about, about I think, be, just being true to yourself. Authentic. And, and yes, authentic and, and just not, not losing sight of, of the blindingly obvious, which is that you have as much of a contribution to make as, as the next person. And you know, you, you, you're in a job and you're doing a job because you're actually extremely good at it. We had um, a few years back now, we did an interview with the fabulous Pippa Melmgren. I don't know if you've come across her, who um, you, she cannot be missed. She is wonderful. And she was the um, 
economic advisor to George W. And um, she, you know, she's, um, I believe she's Texan or she's, you know, she's big hair and uh, um, bright lipstick and all that sort of stuff. And for, she said that for a long time in the White House, she hid all that because she thought, well, maybe, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't be here. And then something clicked in her. She thought, no, I can be here the hell I like. I'm smart. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, it doesn't matter if I have big hair and red lipstick. Mm-hmm. It's that's that you know that I wasn't hired for that but that's who that's who I am I was hired for my no, brain. I think that's absolutely right and uh, you know that's a fabulous example mm. of where a working environment was actually telling you to be something completely other than than what what she was and you to rise above that is probably the biggest favor that that we can all do each other and that's regardless of whether we're talking about being male or female or um, or race or or anything else but just remaining true to to, to what you are because actually that's the only way that you can deliver the the, be- the best that you are fantastic and julia i guess your challenge is that i've come to you last i apologize <laughs> for that no it's quite all right um <clears throat> although i am going to um the question slightly um, you talked about challenge there and um, certainly in the last 18 months um, at Alandi in, in my previous role I really challenged myself about unconscious bias because it's not just the female thing mm-hmm. um, you know females can just be as guilty as unconscious bias as as, as men um, and that's not just referring to gender stereotypes um, it's um, I think society has changed and we are beginning to get better at it but we are hardwired to expect certain gender stereotypes um, stereotypes in terms of age uh, class and you know, I, I think it's down to me as well um, to overcome that unconscious bias. Absolutely, so I challenge myself. That's great, and I think we all need to do that, don't we? We uh, the unconscious bias um, training. I think every every company needs to do that. Every individual mm-hmm. needs to go through it because we can't help ourselves in that we want to find people who are like us yeah. because they'll agree with us, and who doesn't like mm-hmm. being agreed with? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a great challenge, Julie. Um, I guess just to just to wrap us up, and although I could stay in here chatting all all day, what what I think is really important is for us to be able to share advice with with the greater um, community because you know DNI is for the greater good of of not just the real estate community, but as we talked about earlier, it's for the built environment. It's for everyone out there. We touch um, so many lives through this great industry of ours. Um, so I would, I'd love to get some of your top tips, I guess, for anyone out there who wants to do an Alandi uh, and um, encourage more diversity within their business and to really relate that to the people that they're trying to serve at the end of the day, which is the general Joe or Josephine or whoever out on, out on the street. Um, well, I think you just, as we've all said kind of before, we, we just need to celebrate everybody's differences and um, maximise those. I think you need to be comfortable asking questions and just put yourselves out there a little bit. So with this work we're doing with Purple and with some of the disability awareness, it's that first conversation with a disabled person you know, it, this is what we're trying to work with our centre management staff with because there's, you know, a, a lot of sort of fear that you're going to offend somebody or you're going to say the wrong thing and so you just don't engage. And actually what Purple have done is um, 
it's that first sentence that first communication is really important it's just you know can i help you it, you know there ha there's no reference to a disability at all and it's just making people more comfortable in talking to each other and giving people the confidence that actually you don't need to treat people differently it's just making sure that everyone is okay and can access our products as easily as possible um and i think that's something quite valuable is just being comfortable with yourself and having the confidence to ask questions communicating and being nice that's a that's a good way to look at the world isn't yeah. it uh, julie um i'm really going to come back to that point that i made um in the last question is that i really think that we need to challenge ourselves everybody on wiping out unconscious bias it's not an easy one but i think if you've got that in the back of your mind when you're looking um at uh customers when you're looking at um uh clients even um but also when you are looking at recruiting fundamentally wipe out just you know, the unconscious bias has to go and challenge yourself on that fantastic and isabel i think for me it's um definitely in terms of having a work environment that really supports having a diverse workforce so um you know really important for employers and senior management staff to have an open mind um and a flexible approach to enable their staff who might have varying needs actually outside of and, and inside of the workplace um to really be able to kind of support their growth in a business and to actually retain those staff um to enable you to, to kind of keep and maintain kind of happy and active diverse workforce. Fantastic, thank you. Nally? Just approaching it from a slightly different angle, I suppose, but one of the things we perhaps don't make quite enough use of is role models. Mm. And that could be either in the context of people who we as individuals might see as role models and, and use to mentor and support us. and. That's incredibly helpful, both in terms of coming back to Julie's point about challenging ourselves, but but also about challenging our unconscious biases. Having that person to whom you can turn, who is going to give you a different perspective on things, and and yes, that's partly. I mean, that could be about diversity, or it could be just having a different perspective from somebody, uh, is extraordinarily helpful. Not just in terms of of our own agendas, but also in terms of of pursuing the work agenda on day to day basis as well. So yeah, I think. It, it, I mean, again, I suppose we're talking about the same thing, but in a slightly different context, which is how do we get different perspectives that enrich both what we do and, and who we are? Excellent. So support role models, community, challenge ourselves, think about more than just outside our, our um, sort of comfort zone, I suppose. And just be, let's just be nice to each other. It sounds really trite, doesn't it? Be nice. But I think it, that's where we get inclusion certainly from being friendly towards each other and again if we can understand the um the needs and wants and concerns of everyone else around us then it makes us more diverse as well because we will take in those those opinions um thank you so much for joining me today it's been a fantastic chat and i um think that um everyone at alandi should be very proud of of what they've done what they've done and it's a it's a first step and i hope that it's um more steps come along along the way and um keep us up to date with what's going on with purple i think that's a um, fantastic initiative and um i look you've set the bar quite high now so i look forward to it going up and up and up and up and everyone following 
uh, in your footsteps. So thank you for walking the talk and talking with me today.